Good morning. The first day of fall, actually yesterday. And so it feels like it outside. Um, it's a little dreary, but we're grateful to be here in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity just to be in your presence, O oh God, just to hear what thus saith the Lord. So, Father, please open our hearts, open our minds and our ears so that we hear from you, O oh Lord. Father, I ask that you will just remove me so that none of me is seen or heard, but only you, your words, and your, your love for us be seen and be heard through me. Father, we just thank you for all things. I ask that um, you bless us all in a special way. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you just bear with me, I've been suffering for the past day or so with a little sinus, a little congestion going on. So um, just keep me in your prayers this week as I try to recover. So last week we discussed being a peace practitioner, and I thought, let's do it again today. Um, to discuss peace, there's just so much to talk about. There's so much to study and so much to learn. And even on today, we will not get into each and every bit of there is about peace, but we'll cover a little bit more than we did on last week. So peace, as we talked about it last week, we mentioned that it's one of those words that we really know, but we really can't put a real definition to. For peace is different for everyone. Peace is both internal and external. And the word peace, I found, is mentioned in the Bible over 200 times depending on the version that you reference. So in the King James, it's in there over 400 times. In the NIV, 263 times. In the ESV, 356 times. The word peace is found so many times, but it does not necessarily carry the same meaning each time it is used. In some translations, it's, it's used to mean safety, or quiet, or rest, or still, or even fellowship, and so much more. Last week when we discussed what does it mean to be a peacemaker or how to be a peacemaker and quietly on the inside, others may have, been, may have had the thought or the question, how do I exhibit peace if I'm not at peace internally? Do I fake it until I make it? When we think about peace in the context of being a peacemaker, we are seeking to be at ease with one another. We are seeking to be on good terms with one another. We are seeking to be able to be in the presence of one another without hate, disdain, and or dislike for one another. Individually speaking, the question is, how do I secure peace for myself? Corporately speaking, how do we secure peace as a church and exhibit it? Globally speaking, how do we secure and exhibit peace for the world? not just nationally, but for the entire world. So when we sang the song, he has the whole world. We have the whole world in our hands. We actually do. How do we have peace and exhibit it for everyone in the entire world? Last week we sang the song, Let There Be Peace on Earth, a song that I learned and sang in elementary and high school. And if my mother were here, she'd be so proud to know that her hard-earned dollars were paying off. The song was a song that had a profound impact upon my life as a young person. I thought I understood the lyrics, let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. In my young mind, it meant doing something kind to and for others. But what was the kind thing to do? Who would be the recipient of my kindness? And would this really be peace beginning with me? How much of an impact or difference would my kindness make 
in there being peace on earth. My goodness, how large is the earth? How many people inhabit the earth? My small random act of kindness would make a difference? Yeah, I couldn't see it. Not then. Nonetheless, I had been taught that we desire peace on earth and that it could begin with me. So I intentionally would be kinder to everyone, and especially those that I knew really did not care for the person that I am. You've heard the phrase, kill them with kindness. Or it's easier to catch a bear with honey rather than something else, but I can't say that in church. I was kinder to them because I wanted to make it hard for them to not like me. I really didn't understand why anyone would not like sweet, kind, go out of my way to help or give to anyone, little old me. Nonetheless, not liking me was not going to be easy for anyone. So as I thought about this previous behavior, I had to ask myself, was I trying to be liked or was I trying to live out Matthew 5 and 7? Attending Catholic school, we studied the Beatitudes a lot. Even as a young person, the mandate to be a peacemaker existed. If we struggle as adults with the idea and the actuality of having, being, and giving peace, what are our young people experiencing? How are we guiding them along the path of peace? Are we making the space for them to be free to discuss being at peace or the absence of peace in their lives? I remember as a youth and young adult growing up and wanting to do things and go places with my classmates or my friends from the neighborhood, and my parents would deny the request to go. The reason most times would be, times have changed from when I was growing up. And of course, when you're a teenager trying to hang out with friends, that doesn't even really matter to you. Cindy Lauper, for those of you who are my age and a little bit older might know who that is, but she said it best, girls just want to have fun. But as, the time, but as time goes on and we become adults, and better yet, we become parents, aunts and uncles and godparents, and we are now saying times have changed from when I was your age. At this moment, age is nothing but a number. Times are constantly changing, and our children are experiencing so much more than we have ever experienced as a teen or even as a youth in elementary school. I could not imagine being in kindergarten and someone walking into the classroom and shooting Mrs. Bell while the rest of us played in various parts of the classroom. I could not imagine coming out of the door after school, walking down the street with my friends and being accosted or even witnessing a drug deal in front of the school building, not by others, but by the very same people that were in the classroom with me. I could not imagine hearing that the guy next door to me was arrested for breaking and entering because while he should have been in history class with me, he was breaking into someone's home. Times have changed. While some of us have lived sheltered, protected lives and only see things on television when we watch the news, if we watch the news, these things are happening and are the reality for many youth. How can we expect that our youth are not only safe but are at peace? While this reality may not be the reality for, while it may be the reality for some youth, it is not the reality for all youth. There are other youth that are not able to experience true peace because they experience unrest and dis-ease in other areas of their lives. Some want to be liked by others. Some want to have thin bodies. Some strive to be valedictorian and work hard to get there while watching others that are naturally gifted intellectually that don't struggle to pass the test and write essays with ease. Some want to be the greatest football player or the best soccer player. No matter who we are, 
No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, we all seek inner peace. We must intentionally impart knowledge about internal peace so at least our young people will have the tools that they need to be at peace and to ease their minds so that they can understand and experience peace when adversity comes their way. Training a child in the way they should go is not always so easy when we're also still trying to figure it out for ourselves. But it allows them to see that we all are human and that we need Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace, the Almighty, to guide us along this journey. Teaching our children about peace also prepares them for external conflict with their peers. Teaching our children that choosing faith over fear is not just a cute phrase that came out of the pandemic, but that when we choose to exercise being a peacemaker rather than engaging in altercations, whether they're physical or verbal, means that I choose to exercise my faith and trust in God to be the bigger person and to take the high road rather than to succumb to the fear of not being liked by someone or to succumb to the fear of being seen as weak. In this work of being a peace practitioner, we will have to exercise faith over fear. It takes faith to think that we can and we will affect change. It takes faith to, to take it one day, one person, one act of kindness at a time. And I begin this by talking about the song, Let There Be Peace on Earth. The song goes on to say, let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. Friends, what is the peace that was meant to be? With God as our Father, the updated version says, family all are we, but I'm going to revert to the original version for illustration's sake. Let me walk with my brother in perfect harmony. Prior to the creation of man, there was perfect harmony. We go back to the creation story where God created the heavens and the earth. He filled it with vegetation and trees and shrubbery, animals, land-based and water-based. Then he created humans to take care of the land and they were commanded to be fruitful and multiply. They were also given the privilege to eat from any tree except the tree of knowledge. There was peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be until the fall. The fall, another sermon for another day. Yet there was peace on earth, and not to add to the text of the Bible, but in my, in my imagination, I can see that they walked in harmony until the adversary entered the picture causing the fall. This can be another extension to the peace talk. How do we find peace in the midst of adversity? But I digress. I just mentioned potential experiences that children can encounter which can bring unrest and conflict and are not harmonious at all. Walking with our brothers and sisters in perfect harmony is easier said than done. What I have found in this Anabaptist Mennonite brother in Christ Mennonite community is a sense of peace and security. And as an African-American black woman, I've not yet put my finger on it just yet, but as I have attended several events as the pastor of First Mennonite Church and other events as the program director for Mennonite Central Committee, I've been treated with the utmost respect and kindness prior to anyone knowing my name, my title, or my position, but just because I'm another human being. And then they find out who I am or what I do, and then they're like, oh, then the conversation goes on. Then it becomes, do you know so-and-so? Do you know so-and-so? <laughs> sometimes I can say yes, and sometimes I can say no. Then I'll say, oh, that's so-and-so, and then, you know, we go on. But prior to them knowing all of that, 
Just because I'm a human being, I'm welcomed into the fold. For example, we were at Michiana Relief Sale over the weekend. We walked up to a table, and probably if you've ever been to a relief sale, and as you can imagine, we were probably the only black people there. It didn't matter to us. There was food. We wanted to eat. We ate. <laughs> we grabbed us some food, and we found a table. There were some people sitting there. Derek said, hey, can we sit here with you? Oh, yeah, come on in. Have a seat. And they were leaving, but they stopped to talk before they left. Then somebody else came over and wanted to sit down. Then somebody else came over. And so it just kept going and going and going. No one cared that we looked different from they did. We talked about just anything that came up. And then Derek started sharing stories. And then I finally left. And then people just kept coming. It doesn't matter. It's all about just getting to know each other and accepting, accepting people for who they are. It's a kindness that I don't always experience outside of this community. This community is a safe space to be who I am. I can't help but to imagine what the space would be like outside of this community if the love of Christ and the mandate to be peacemakers were to be the same cause for everyone everywhere. How comfortable all persons of all ethnicities and races would be in the presence of those that resemble and remind them of their former or in some cases, their oppressor. If I were to experience true peacemaking, having an oppressor, being an oppressor, being the oppressed would not even exist because we would be working together, walking together in perfect harmony, such as the song suggests. Being a peacemaker also means having the hard conversations and saying some things that are not always popular but may be necessary to affect change. The bottom line is that at the end of the day, we are to glorify God. And how do we do that? By loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. It's not always easy to be a peace practitioner. There are times when I don't feel like being a peace practitioner. I don't feel like being the peacemaker or being the one to keep the peace sometimes. I want to say what I'm really thinking and not in a kind and loving way. But when I think about God's command to love my neighbor as I love myself, and I love me, so I have to love my neighbor and soften my heart. I do love me. I, I love me. Trust me, I love me. <laughs> but now this doesn't mean that I don't say what I'm really thinking. It means that I don't say, what it means is that I don't say it with the sarcasm that I learned to employ as a teenager. It means that I don't say it with the intent to hurt someone's feelings. Another skill I learned as a teen when I was being bullied and decided to retaliate, it's the, I'll get you before you get me. I've learned not to do that anymore. It's some people in here that are around my age or a tad bit older, and you may remember the advertisement um, for Virginia Slim cigarettes. Not that you were smoking them, but the, but the advertisement was huge. So you know what I'm talking about. And the lady was standing there with her cigarette, and it would say, you've come a long way, baby. Okay. I'm just saying. Not that we've had the experiences of who, used, who we used to be, and we were troublemakers or not so kind to others, but experiences of being babes in Christ where we're learning to walk and talk as Christ. We were learning to embrace our heritage as heirs of Christ. We've come a long way from being that babe in Christ to now being able to talk about what it means to be a peacemaker. We've come a long way to being a peacemaker. 
Now that we are a little older and in the knowledge and ways of Christ, we're able to encourage and empower others in the way of Jesus Christ. We should be easily able to share the good news of his birth, suffering, death, burial, and resurrection. We should be easily able to share the miracles, signs, and wonders that have occurred in our lives as a result of our requests, belief, and trust in him. We've come a long way from allowing the not-so-happy days to weigh us down so much that we weren't able to bounce back. Last week, I talked about Chris Rice and writing the book, Pandemic to Renewal. And in his book, he discusses what he called practices, practices to find and renewal after the various things we've experienced as a result of the pandemic. And while I'm not going to go into each of the practices today, I will say that as I thought about how the seasons have changed, um, the autumnal equinox occurring yesterday or the first day of fall, I thought about the Jewish holiday last week known as Rosh Hashanah. It began on September 15th, and then on the 25th of the month, the Jewish community will also celebrate the Day of Atonement. Typically, when we acknowledge and celebrate the new year, because Rosh Hashanah was the new year for the Jewish community, we make resolutions or declarations about things we are going to do differently in the new year. And while as Christians, we have not yet come upon our new year, according to the Gregorian calendar, but we have entered a new season. And the autumnal equinox signifies that it is time for harvest, a time for reaping that which has been sown. And if you've ever traveled up and down Route 30, such as I've been doing frequently in the past two months, you would have seen fields and fields and fields, did I mention fields? And fields of corn, 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 and more corn. And there are some other vegetation out there. But yesterday, as I traveled along Route 30, I saw fields being harvested. The seeds that have been sown are being reaped. In my studies, I've also found that fall is also a season for planting seeds to be harvested or bloomed in the spring season. Friends, this is our season to reap and to sow. This is our season to reap the harvest of seeds that God has used to sow into others. This is our season to intentionally engage in the art and practice of peacemaking. We are to sow new seeds, new seeds of love, joy, hope, and peace. These four words are typically highlighted during the Advent season when we celebrate the coming of the newborn king. But today, I am encouraging you to provide, to provide opportunities to create space for peace in the life of someone else. There was a time prior to the pandemic when people were engaged in the act of one random act of kindness, when sometimes the act of kindness would make the news or they were doing what they called pay it forward. These random acts in paying it forward does not always have to be monetary acts, but they can be acts of giving kind words or gestures, such as holding a door for someone as they enter or exit a building, speaking to someone and truly meaning, how are you doing today? The key is stopping to listen to the response and replying appropriately. Sometimes we say it out of courtesy, but we don't stop to hear the reply. And the person may be saying something that needs attention, that doesn't mean you have to have the answer, but you may be able to point them in the right direction. Sometimes a sincere, warm, genuine greeting may bring peace to someone that may be experiencing a low-level bout of anxiety. But we cannot always detect or claim to know what someone needs. There's one that does. And as an heir to the kingdom, we have direct access to him. It's called prayer. When in doubt, call on him for direction and guidance. No matter who we are, what our titles are, 
mother, this is a long list, mother, father, brother, sister, husband, wife, daughter, son, niece, nephew, aunt, uncle, pastor, teacher, social worker, counselor, electrician, mechanic, program director, executive director, manager, employee, you get the idea. No matter who we are, no matter what our titles are, there is a portion of who we are that we guard at all costs. And no matter what we share, there is something that we withhold. It's not a bad thing, it's just what we do. We all have some insecurity in one area or another that we don't share with anyone, but there is one that knows all about us. He knows every hair on our head, or at least where every hair used to be, but he knows every hurt, our every fear, our every insecurity, but he also knows our every success, our every great accomplishment, our hopes and dreams and desires. And it is in him that we surrender those fears and insecurities and find peace in our very being. We find peace in his existence in our hearts. John 16 and 33, Jesus said, it's in me that you will find peace. I have overcome the world. How easy it is to think with our little and narrow minds that all we have to do is recite or memorize the scripture and all will be well. But yes, it is that easy. It's easy to believe it, but it's not so easy to trust it every day and every minute and every second of our lives, especially when we are facing life-changing crises. People are losing jobs, losing homes, losing lives. How do they find peace? How do we encourage them to be at peace? When we are experiencing crises, internal or external, we don't want to hear about Jesus being the one that's overcome the world. So how do we do it? Here's the thing. We don't do it alone. We must come alongside one another, whether it's your partner in life, your partner in ministry, or your partner at your place of employment, or your partner in retirement, and work together figuring out who does what for the greater good and not get caught up in the titles, but determine what's needed and who is best to accomplish the task. The goal is to practice peace, and it begins with us individually, internally. As I think about how peace begins with me, I'm reminded of a song by contemporary gospel artist Hezekiah Walker. The title of the song is, I Need You to Survive. And some of the lyrics are, I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I need you to survive. When we all, not just us here at First Mennonite, but when all of us in the world realize that the mandate for peacemaking and peacekeeping, the mandate to be a peace practitioner begins in our hearts, effective change will occur. The need to attack other lands for waterway, right, waterway rights, such as the war in Ukraine, in which Russia wants access to the Black Sea for goods and trades. Why not have the conversation and discuss the boundaries, decide together how to make this a win-win for both countries rather than try to exert power, a power that really doesn't belong to man, but to God. All power belongs to God. We're not nothing we're nothing but mere mortals attempting to do kingdom business here on earth. As we begin this new season, this new year, according to Jewish tradition, and for the business worker or the sports fanatic, it's the fourth quarter. In this fourth quarter, let us requite, let us seek restoration and reconciliation by engaging in the practice of peace. God desires nothing more from us than to be lovers of him, to be restored and reconciled unto him. In that reconciliation with him, 
We can begin with reconciliation with our brothers and sisters that look like us and those that do not. We have been commanded to love one another as he loves us. Relationships are reciprocal, not quid pro quo. We can start this peace practice by starting our day, asking ourselves, how can I practice peace today? Asking God to show us opportunities to be a peace practitioner. At the end of our day, identify the opportunities where we've experienced peace, where we've experienced being a peace practitioner. And if we don't, we don't beat ourselves up if we didn't have any opportunities. We just continue to seek God for those opportunities. We ask them to open our eyes so that we can see the opportunities presented before us. Remembering that sometimes being a peacemaker is not always easy. There will be times when tough questions will be asked or hard conversations will have be had. Remembering that it's for the good of the building of God's kingdom here on earth and remembering to activate our faith over fear. These are the ways that we can begin to be a peacemaker. And as I bring this message to a close, I want to share with you the benediction of St. Francis as we seek to be peace practitioners. I thought his words might be encouraging. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to share for those who suffer from pain, rejection, hunger, and war so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn your pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done, to bring justice and kindness to all our children and the poor. Let us have a word of prayer. Heavenly hosts, we come before you humble yet boldly, seeking your face seeking your truth, and seeking peace. Seeking these things not only for ourselves, but for our neighbor also. We recognize that the season has changed and we are entering into a season of harvest. While many will reap good and plenty, others may have had a season where the crops did not yield what was expected to make a decent living wage. While we know all things are not about money, we are cognizant that we do live in this world where it is necessary to earn a living, to feed our families, and to sustain our homes. Father, we ask on behalf of our brothers and sisters that you meet the need, that you meet the financial needs, that you show up mightily and meet their needs. Father, if you choose one of us to bless someone else, let your voice and your plan be loud and clear so that we do not question nor doubt that we heard your voice. Father, there are opportunities around us each and every day to meet the needs of brothers and sisters. Though some needs we may not be able to satisfy, we know, believe, and trust that you can. So on behalf of those that cannot, will not, or do not know how to ask, or will not ask, we ask that you meet them where they are. Show them your glory and make provision. And that provision, may they experience your peace. As we've taken the time to pray for our brothers and sisters, we ask, Lord, that you will hear our prayer. Prayers for us, Lord. We also seek provision, provision for our own needs. Meet us, Lord. Meet us financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, socially, and intellectually. Open our hearts and our minds so that we are able to grow, heal, and serve you with our whole hearts and minds. Restore us and heal us physically where we suffer from ailments that may prevent us from serving you. Show us, Lord, how to love more, 
how to serve more, how to not only have peace, but also share peace, and to be the peace that our world needs and longs for. Though the subject is peace practitioners, restoration and renewal are also in order and necessary for such a time as this. Each new year brings about an opportunity to start over. Each new quarter, a company looks to increase their sales and their profit. Lord, in this new quarter, your kingdom here on earth is the company that we serve. Let us increase, let us help us to increase the number of souls that will come to know you from our witness. We've been commanded to go out and make other disciples. We can go out and invite others to join us for worship, and they may come, but that is not making disciples. We make disciples by being disciples. When our witness causes others to change their ways and their behaviors, and they say it's because they know the Lord, such as we do, we have made disciples. Joining the congregation is a bonus. So, Lord, as we enter this new year, this new season, this new quarter, open our eyes to the opportunities that lie ahead of us each day to be peace practitioners. Let us be the miracles, signs, and wonders that others pray for. Choose and use us for your glory here on earth. Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with us. It's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we pray. Amen. As the service continues, it is my prayer that the responsive song will speak to you and will be a reminder that when we seek and see God, we see peace. For peace was the gift given to us through the birth of the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9 and 6. And yet again, we were given the gift of peace when Jesus gave us his peace as found in John 17. Friends, peace doesn't elude us. We have peace. We are able to practice it for ourselves and for the good of others. As you go, may you see and experience God's gift of peace in your life daily and in all circumstances. Peace is there and is already yours. Amen. <laughs>